بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا أما بعد The Prophet said whoever treads a path in search of knowledge Allah will make the path of Jannah easy for him We welcome you all to the second episode of Salikast where we ask Allah that he makes us among those who tread a path in search of knowledge and thus the path of Jannah is made easy for us to proceed in this episode, we will be speaking to Sheikh Ali Nasser, who is a local imam here in Calgary, and asking him about his experiences seeking knowledge, dealing with the youth, and making an Islamic environment here. Sheikh Ali, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Akhi Zaid, and to uh, Ariz and uh, Yahya, ahlan uh, wa sahlan. Good to be here with you guys. Barakallahu. To start off, when we mention the topic of dawah, do any ayahs or hadiths come to your mind? Do any ayahs or hadith come to mind? وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا مِمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهِ That is probably the first uh, verse that comes to mind. Uh, then what better statement is there than the statement that calls to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, you know, and the, uh, uh, you know, the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, that if Allah were to guide by you, uh, one individual, then it is more greater for you than a, uh, than a, a red camel or that what uh, the world, uh, you know, possesses. So alhamdulillah, those are two very important, uh, uh, pieces of revelation that show us just the value and the, uh, the, the benefit, the virtue of, of da'wah calling to the way of Allah Azza wa Jal. Right, so uh, Sheikh Ali, to start off this uh, podcast, we'd like to know a bit about your background, your story. Um, perhaps you could enlighten us with regards to um, your childhood. Where did you, where did you grow up? Yani, you don't have to go into too too much detail. Just uh, what you think will be beneficial for for Muslim youth to be able to connect yeah, with you. Inshallah, Jazakallah uh, khairan, Uh So uh, yes, my name is Ali Nasser. Uh, I am a true Calgarian. What does that mean? I mean, I was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Walillahi alhamd. Alhamdulillah, I have uh, three three other siblings, uh, two sisters and a brother. Uh, my mother and my father, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, um, grew up in Calgary, went to school in Calgary, um, essentially created all my firsts in Calgary. So Calgary is, certainly was my uh, initial stomping ground, alhamdulillah. Um, you know, not too much about me, you know, uh, I'm just a, just a normal guy, just like you guys, you guys are in university, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, I studied here in university for some time prior to my, uh, studies abroad, alhamdulillah. Um, you know, I'm just a son of the community, really, uh, just a son of the community here to kind of, uh, give back what, uh, kind of was missing at my time, you know, growing up, uh, subhanallah, when we look at the community, uh, you know, the dynamics of the community, um, where we are now, uh, Islamically within the community with regards to, uh, you know, institutes and centers and masajid. We didn't have that at our time. So, you know, alhamdulillah, I grew up, uh, you know, went to Saturday school. Uh, that was probably the only real, uh, you know, interaction I had with uh, the masajid or really Islam. But al- alhamdulillah, you know, just trying to give back what was kind of missing at our time, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And then would you say you were practicing growing up or was there any pivotal moment in your life which uh, got you from where you were before to being interested in the deen and eventually devoting your life to to pursuing that path? Yeah, well, um, like many youth, you know, we, we we are born and raised in Muslim households and, you know, we have Muslim names and we celebrate mus you know muslim uh, you know festivities and so on and so forth uh, in terms of practicing the way that i truly believe a muslim should be practicing i don't think maybe at that level you know maybe not at that level uh, it wasn't until uh, uh, my uh, first year of university where i really started to uh, you know look at islam from a different perspective started to uh, inquire a little bit more deeper and 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 through that I was able to gain a better understanding of what is uh, uh requested of me and 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 what is best for me 
and therefore, alhamdulillah, that began my path on the way to, uh, you know, trying my best to worship Allah and to serve Him the best way possible. And you went to university here in Calgary? Alhamdulillah, I went to university here in Calgary. Uh, initially, it was uh, one year. Um, it was after my first year in university that I later was accepted um, abroad. And uh, there was a few uni universities, institutes that I studied uh, out of Canada. Uh, and alhamdulillah, that uh, essentially was my uh, academic career or my uh, you know, post-secondary education. Can you, can you give us like a brief description of how the Islamic environment was in, or the Muslim community was back in your day? Like when you were in Calgary, were there fewer masajid? Yeah, Perhaps, it really uh, it was it was non-existent. If if you really want me to be honest, it, it was non-existent. We didn't have any Islamic schools like we do today. Um, the Southwest Masjid was the main masjid of the city. Um, alhamdulillah, very close to me and close to my home, um, and that is a masjid that I hold near and dear to my heart. I grew up in that masjid, but in reality, you know, we did not have a fraction of what we have today. Um, we did not have the imams, we did not have the teachers, we did not have the facilities, we did not really have um, anything. All we had was, you know, really what was being taught at home and, you know, what you were presented when you were to attend, uh, if you were fortunate enough to attend these uh, Saturday and weekend schools. Right. Yeah. And then um, you said you got accepted to some universities abroad. Um, so. Between the time you started practicing, thinking about the deen more seriously, taking the deen more seriously, wanting to dedicate your life to it, um, and that time where you decided to go abroad, mm -hmm. what what's made you decide to go abroad? Why not stay here and be a practicing Muslim, but not like a sheikh or, or someone, a local imam in the community giving da'wah? What's made you want to take it to the next level? Well, you know what, uh, subhanAllah, uh, company is very important. Right. Company is very important. And um, it was the company that I surrounded myself with um, that really uh, motivated me to take it uh, uh, to a next level. I remember when I when I started reading more about Islam, looking through, um, you know, different hadith and, you know, reading through the life of Muhammad Sallallahu I was I was I was really drawn to to, you know, his life story. I was drawn to. Uh, you know, um, the teachings and the lesson, lessons that, you know, uh, this man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would present. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, uh, I loved teaching. I always loved to teach. Um, and at a young age, I realized that. But it was, it was a matter of what to teach. And when I found Islam, I recognized this is it. This is what I want others to learn, just as I'm learning. So initially what happened was I decided to study online, right? Because as you know, you know, we didn't have any, uh, you know, centers. We didn't have any institutes uh, in the area. So I studied online at a beautiful online university, the Sharia Academy of America, uh, alhamdulillah. And uh, I was able to kind of uh, introduce myself to Islam on an academic level, not just YouTube. And at, remember, at our time, we didn't have YouTube, right? YouTube was non-existent. We couldn't just Google or YouTube an Islamic video and we'd be satisfied. We really had to go out even online if we were interested. So, you know, I studied with many, many great scholars. Uh, Alhamdulillah, till this day, I'm still benefiting from them. Uh, till this day, I'm doing hajj with them every year. Walillah, alhamd. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but it was in studying online that I had some of the elders of the community come to me. I'd be sitting in the masjid with my laptop and they would be like, what are you doing? I say, I'm studying online. They say, well, if you want to study Islam, it's not to be learned online. You need to go to the source and you need to go abroad and you need to learn the language and you need to memorize the Quran. And that re that's really what kind of got me thinking. And, you know, it was their support and their encouragement that really, uh, you know, motivated me to apply to several universities and ultimately, you know, uh, take that step and uh, and go abroad and study. Alhamdulillah. Right. So one one thing I wanted to ask, just taking a step back, is I'm assuming during your time, perhaps you saw many other Muslims, perhaps in high school or as you were growing up in your youth years. Um, do you think 
those other Muslim youth around you, um, a lot of them became practicing, or did you see a lot of them go astray yeah. and perhaps? You know, we ask Allah to guide us all, right? Yeah. And uh, guidance and hidayah is from Allah. Hidayah is from Allah. Irshad is something that we can put forth, but ultimate hidayah and guidance is from Allah. And what I uh, I truly found is that my generation, uh, we were left behind. I, and, and you know, let me be honest and 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 open. I, I truly believe that our generation was left behind. You know, we're first generation. Uh, you know, uh, Canadians. Or, you know, when our parents came, their number one concern was to offer us a better life, right? Make sure that we have a, a you know roof over our head, food on our table. You know, they were able to save enough money to send us to university. And at times, I think with all those blessings is great. But at times, you know, we find that Islam was kind of lost in the mix. And for that reason, many of us, uh, many, many young brothers and sisters uh, didn't have the opportunity to connect with their religion as they should. Sure. Uh, with that in mind and like traveling and all that, how did you feel about like traveling abroad, like in just in general, really? Yeah. So the first university that I was initially accepted to was the uh, Islamic uh, International, the International Islamic University of Malaysia. Um, and, and the thing is, I didn't really know too much about uh, the country, Malaysia, beautiful country. I didn't know too much about the university. But, you know, I did have some of the elders in the community, as I mentioned, who really, really you know, encouraged me just to go out and, uh, you know, take that first step and I have nothing to lose. I'm still young, uh, you know, so is that, you know, it was that that really benefited me. But, you know, subhanAllah, uh, traveling change, I find that people are afraid of change. And I find that that's the reason why most people don't go out and travel abroad is because they're afraid of that change. And for me, I, I welcome the change. I said, you know, I've lived here for about 20 years. Um, I've seen what this city, what this community um, can offer me. And certainly I need more. So, uh, you know, I took that initial step and, you know, and, and I traveled and, you know, I, 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 I went, packed my bags and everything I own. I hopped on that flight and, uh, you know, pretty much landed in a country where I didn't know one person. But again, you know, it's those decisions and those experiences in life that really mold you. It's not sitting in a classroom and learning from another human being, but it's really interacting with the world and going through these, you know, uncomfortable situations that allow you to grow and develop and become the best version of yourself. So certainly those initial steps um, and those decisions that I made to travel abroad really helped me in that regard. I also wanted to ask... Um... Is there a reason like you chose Malaysia as like your yeah place to travel for like so, studying and all that? It wasn't on my radar, brother. If, if you want me to be honest, it wasn't initially on my radar. I'm just like that regular guy. When he wants to study abroad, he wants to go to, you know, he wants to be by Muhammad Sallallahu right? So I sent my application to Medina. I sent my application to a few other universities. And, uh, you know, I also sent my, uh, because it, it was, a, when the decision was made, it was made, right? So it was a matter of just where, where ultimately Allah is going to, you know, decree for me to be accepted at that time. And lo and behold, uh, I happened to hear back from, uh, the International Islamic University of Malaysia. You know, I prayed my istikhara many times and made that decision. And as a young man, I, you know, I, I got up and made, you know, Made that journey, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Was there like any, did you get any sort of like negative comments or like concerns from like parents or just close like, friends or anything like that regarding this like choice you made? Of course, Akhi. Of course. When you make decisions like this that are uh, different, that are not common within, you know, the society, especially at that time, because we're, we're talking about 15 years ago. This is what we're talking about 15 years ago. Um, that's unheard. You know, it's unheard for a kid to be like, well, I'm, I want to go halfway across the world to a country I really know nothing about to study Islam and then come back. 
You know, it's like, number one, you don't know where you're going. Number two, you don't know a soul. Number three, you don't know the language. And number four, what are you going to do when you get back and provide for your family? Who's going to, how are you going to make money, right? This is, this is what everybody asks. How are you going to make money? How are you going to support your family? How are you going to pay the bills, right? That wasn't my concern at the time, right? It, you know, ignorance is sometimes a bliss. Ignorance yeah. is sometimes a bliss, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if I, you know, succumb to all of those statements, and believe me, this was coming, Shaitan, he knows what he does. Yani Shaitan, he's, uh, he's a master at his work. And, uh, you know, whether it be from family members or whether it be from friends or whether it be from other students who are in university, you know, just finish. And then when you're done, then make the decision and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And when you make your decision, you have to be man enough to stand by it. And, and you know, it, to be honest, that was a, a very important thing throughout my studies because there were many times throughout my studies where I was tested to a point where I would think to myself, let me go back. But in my mind, all I heard were the voices. And I said, I would never, I will never prove them right. So it actually benefited me. It may be that you hate something, which I did at the time, but you know, long term, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Alhamdulillah, you know, it was those, you know, those statements. I said, no, I'm going to push through. So Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. With that in mind, how was it like when you first arrived in Malaysia, like with? the changing culture and all that. Yeah. How was it? It, it was, um, it was scary. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, there was nobody there to meet me at the, at the hotel, you know, yeah. you, you know, initially get there. I don't have a hotel ready. Um, don't oh. speak the language. Um, couldn't get a hold of the university because it was the break between semester. So I go and, you know, I'm a young guy, maybe about your guys's age. And, you know, I get suckered, get, you know, the kiosk, they come to me, ah, oh, here's some hotels and we'll do that. So I end up, you know, getting, you know, my first lesson, you know, don't trust every, don't trust anybody, you know. Uh, but uh, alhamdulillah, you know, it was, uh, it was eye opening. Uh, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I learned a lot about, you know, different cultures, you know, alhamdulillah, Malaysia is a beautiful country. It is a melting pot as well melting pot of asia mashallah and uh, the people are just amazing and i have nothing but great amazing memories of my time um, in malaysia whether it be in the city of kuala lumpur or on on campus at you know the campus in gombak uh you know alhamdulillah living uh, outside of the university living inside of the university you know it was just a great 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 experience but again you know that initial you know interaction that culture shock um you know it takes a toll and, and that is certainly something that i experienced the initial days uh upon my arrival uh i see and what was it exactly like the environment there was it like islamic enough do you think or was was the was the culture there fairly based in islam like yeah, yeah, you know, again, like there's when you when you speak about uh well when I speak about my time in Malaysia, you know, I have to look at it from two angles. There's the angle of outside of the campus and then there's the angle of being inside the campus. Now, inside the campus was just the ultimate environment. Oh. I believe I believe it was uh, very moderate. Very moderate in, in terms of Islam, in terms of the people, in terms of the programs. It was, it, it, it was a good, uh, place to grow. It was a great place to grow. Um, outside in Kuala Lumpur, um, that is where you can get a little bit, uh, tested in terms of, you know, going downtown, uh, Bukit Bantang, going to these different places. Um, you gotta be careful. Uh, but me, alhamdulillah, I grew up in the West. Like I grew up in the West, which is like far right. I grew up in Canada here, the far right. Then I would put Malaysia like dead smack in the middle, you know, or at least the campus. And then I would put, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia maybe on the uh, on the other side of the spectrum over there. Uh, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. With that in mind, 
how was the classes there? Were there anybody that was extremely knowledgeable there, like the scholars that taught you or anything like that? Um, alhamdulillah, there were scholars, but before learning, before learning, um, the two most important things were adab, manners, and language, right? And yeah, and, I, and 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 you know, alhamdulillah, uh, and you know, shout out to all the Malaysians out there. May Allah bless you all. Um, but uh, uh, Ariz, are you a Malaysian? Oh no no no, uh, I'm Indonesian by the way. Oh, it's all good. Oh, one and the same. Inshallah, all brothers. Inshallah, alhamdulillah. I have been to Malaysia before, and I, and have lived there as well. Okay, like with my family. But yeah, well, you know, like that whole area. You know, whether whether it be Indonesians and Malaysians, mm. you know, it, when it comes to manners and adab, man, they're unmatched, unmatched, yeah. right? Uh, and I've seen that firsthand, and that's something I really learned. I really learned a lot of adab from my teachers, from uh, my classmates, from other students, uh, from my peers. Alhamdulillah, I really did. And, 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 and uh, secondly, the language, uh, you know, subhanAllah, I'm of Arab descent, right? I am of Arab yeah, descent. Yeah. But uh, uh, growing up, I spoke English and French. Those were the two oh. languages that I learned. Uh, my Arabic was, as you would say, a little ta'ban. It was a little weak. But uh, when I got to Malaysia, you know, I had to learn Arabic from scratch. Oh, right. I had to learn Arabic yeah. from scratch. And, and, you know, those were the two main things that I was able to really benefit from the Malaysians were, were number one, the, uh, the, the manners, the adab, and, and the language as well. And they were very good at teaching language. Why? Because they themselves learned systematically. So they were able to teach it in a way that really resonated with a, a non-native speaker, right? Because they went through that process. So that was an advantage I surely, I surely saw with, 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 the, with the Malaysians and with the international uh, teachers as well, alhamdulillah. Uh, alhamdulillah. Uh, with, that, with the topic of adab and manners in mind, what examples do you think would be really good? to like bring up like bring up now that we're like talking about it well uh, you know there's a large spectrum when it comes to manners manners you know you have manners with allah you have manners with yourself and you have manners with others right and i think every single one of those categories needs to be looked at individually and worked on um you know some of the manners that i see with others always smiling always greeting um, you know, very rarely, you know, smiling is, is something that has been lost. That's a, that's a lost sunnah this day and age. Uh, you don't smile at anybody anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, that's yeah, something true. that I found over there. That's great adab when you're able to smile and truly and sincerely say, Assalamu alaikum, right? Where are you from? Where people are really actually intrigued and, you know, wanting to know about you and wanting to greet you. Hospitality. You know, Arabs, yes, they are very hospitable. Yes, that is something that we learn throughout history. But I would add to that, you know, the Malaysians as well. You know, the whole, uh, you know, uh, the whole area, you know, very hospitable, very hospitable. How many times I was invited to a home or taken out for dinner or Eid because we would be there as international students. We would be taken by our classmates and their families taken to different cities and different compounds in the in the area alhamdulillah so uh, you know those are just some of the things you were able to learn from uh, uh, from the people there alhamdulillah so can you tell us how long you stayed in malaysia i stayed in malaysia for 4 years so yeah i studied in malaysia for 4 years uh, i studied the uh, arabic language uh, for about two and a half years and then I entered into the faculty of uh, fiqh and usul uh, for my uh, for my fourth year. I entered into the faculty for my third and fourth year, part of my third and the fourth year. So I was in faculty for about a year and a half. But again, uh, language is 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 something that that really took time. Um, really, I had to put a, a great effort in in acquiring the Arabic language or Quranic Arabic. Uh, as it is referred to, 
Um, and uh, alhamdulillah, I had a great time there. And it was after my time there that I, I later earned a uh, scholarship to uh, the University of Medina, and I transferred my studies uh, to the blessed city of Al-Medina and Munawwara. What are some of your memories from Medina that you would like to hear? Well, that probably requires its own uh, its own session, mashallah, tabarakallah. But uh, some of the memories of Medina are actually uh, how I actually was accepted in Medina, first of all. That was probably my first memory. Uh, this story, subhanallah, uh, this story has not been shared with many people. If you've heard it, that means you're very close to me. But this story certainly prepared me uh, for my journey to uh, the blessed city of Al-Medina Al-Munawwara. Uh, as mentioned, I, I, prior to my uh, acceptance in Malaysia, I sent, uh, you know, many, uh, you know, requests and many, uh, you know, um, attempts to actually become a student in, in Medina. Unfortunately, at that time, it wasn't written for me to be a student. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not grant me um, that uh, specific, uh, you know, honor at the time. Uh, so I ended up going to Malaysia, alhamd, one of the greatest blessings. And um, I was upset. You know, I initially wanted to be in Medina. I'll be honest. I wanted to be in Medina. But Allah is the, the best of planners, alhamdulillah. So um, even while I was in Malaysia, I still wanted Medina. I always wanted Medina, and I still want Medina till today. I'm in Calgary. I'm like, get me out of Calgary. I'll go back to Medina, right? By the way, I named my daughter Medina, just to let you know the level of uh, of love I have for this city. Um, but um, you know, while I was in Medina, I was always uh, so. While I was in Malaysia. I was always thinking about Medina, always, always. And um, after I got into the faculty, I was like, okay, maybe it's not written for me. Uh, and it is what it is, and I'll stop trying. So one summer, one summer, I decided to stay back and not come back to Canada. And uh, for me, I used to um, uh, prepare myself in the summers by coming here and taking different English courses like TESOL. These are like international English teaching courses to teach English as a second language. So when the people in the university in Malaysia knew that I had the credentials to teach English as a second language, they came to me and they said to me, Ali, we have some administrators who are coming from the university in Medina to learn English in Malaysia for the summer. And we need native speakers to teach them English and to help them with their English. Are you willing to teach these teachers and administrators of the Islamic University in Medina this summer? I said, La ilaha illallah. Of course. So alhamdulillah, summer came and these, uh, you know, these teachers, these administrators, they came to the university. They came with their families, and I got to know them. I became very close with them. And there is one family in particular, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them, uh, the Utaybi family. Uh, he, uh, Abdullah al-Utaybi, he was uh, specifically one of my students, and his son Mu'ayyid al-Utaybi. May Allah bless them both. And uh, I remember teaching a class to them, and he stopped me in the middle of the class, and he said, Ali, why don't you come to Medina? And I said, what? He says, why don't you come to Medina? We can facilitate you as a student. We can get you into the, into the, uh, you know, into the university, into the language department. You can finish your language. You can get into the kulliya and you can graduate as a student from the university. And I started thinking to myself, I said, okay. Here are my files. They're already ready. You do what you need to do. And inshallah, if Allah wills, I'll be accepted. It was only about three months later that I received a phone call that I was accepted into the university. And I sat there and I said to myself, Subhanallah, Allah did not take me to Medina, but He brought Medina to me. And this man, Abdullah al-Utaybi, 
may Allah bless him, he actually became the president of the Islamic University in Medina. So literally, Allah brought the president of the university to personally give me acceptance into the university. So we see how Allah's plan works, right? You see how Allah's plan works, that if you're sincere, if you're honest, if you're always seeking the pleasure of Allah, He will facilitate for you in the best of ways, in the best of ways. So that was my initial experience with Medina. And then getting there, it was another culture shock, right? It was another culture shock. Boom, smack in the face. You know, then living on residence, you know, unfortunately, the standard of the housing in the university in Medina was not to par as the standard in, in, in Malaysia. So that is something I had to get, you know, used to. Um, the food, um, you know, the environment, the language, um, alhamdulillah, Again, these are things that mold you and, and, and allow you to become the best version of yourself. But ultimately, my greatest memory of Medina was my initial salams to the Prophet ﷺ. When I initially was taken to the haram by one of my uh, closest friends, a uh, shout out to Brother Amir uh, Zaidi, may Allah bless him. He took me in. I felt like I was from the Muhajireen and he was from the Ansar and, uh, you know, we were put together, mashallah. He took me under his wing and uh, I remember he walked me up to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, this is the most important salam you will ever give in your life. And I gave my salams to the Prophet ﷺ and that hands down by far was the most intimate moment I ever had with the deen, with the religion with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It was that initial salams that I gave. And I'll always remember that, alhamdulillah. How long did you study in Medina? Alhamdulillah, I studied in Medina for five years. Alhamdulillah. So I studied in Medina for a good five years, from 2012 to 2017. What subjects did you... So uh, I majored in the uh, faculty of uh, uh, Da'wah and Usul al-Din. So when you ask me about Da'wah, I'm like, bro, this is, this, is, this is what I'm about, right? This is what I study. This is my specialization is in the field of Da'wah. So that is the faculty that I studied in, the faculty of Da'wah and Usul al-Din. So it's it, basically Islamic theology. And then, um, Sheikh Ali, so during your time in Medina, um, like, how is life like? How is your day-to-day -day life uh, like? Like, So, you know, alhamdulillah, half the time in Medina I was single. The other half, alhamdulillah, I was there with my wife. So those are two different types of, you know, uh, lifestyles that I was living while in, in, in the Blessed City. As a student, um, it's what we call, uh, you know, I'm a big basketball fan. It's all about the uh, uh, triangle offense defense, right? My life was a triangle. That's essentially what it was. If I want to explain it to you in the most simple way, it was from the dorm room, waking up in the morning to the uh, faculty, to the kulliya, to the college, to the university, coming back to the room and resting from dhuhr till asr. For after asr, making my way to the haram and staying in the haram from asr till the end of isha and then coming back to the dorm room and literally that is what you do every single day nothing changes for the most part nothing changes is that you wake up you go to class you come back you rest you go to the haram you spend your time in the masjid and, you know, and the haram is beautiful because you can choose what you want to study, where you want to study, and who you want to study with. In the university, you don't really have that choice. So for me, alhamdulillah, I spent a lot of my time with my Quran teacher. May Allah bless him and his family. And uh, alhamdulillah, we were able to study, uh, you know, in different uh, circles of knowledge. Uh, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, my tarbiyah teacher as well. May Allah bless his soul. Alhamdulillah, these are people who till this day I'm very close with and touch with uh, on a weekly basis. But 
But essentially, that's what it is. You're there and you're there for a purpose and you do everything you can to fulfill that purpose. And if it requires a lot of repetitive repetitiveness throughout your day, then ultimately that's what you're going to do. But I'll tell you something. Every time you would walk into the prophet's masjid, it was as if it was the first time. It was as if it was the first time. So it was never boring. It was never old. It never got lame. We never got tired of it. But every moment you would walk to the haram, it would be a moment of relaxation. It would be a moment of joy. It would be a moment of honor. So alhamdulillah, it was something we were very content with. In terms of the different uh, scholars you studied under the different subjects you studied, was there any scholar, any subject that really stood out for you? Absolutely, as my Quran teacher. Right. You know, and that's what, what about him made him stand out compared yeah, to the other? It wasn't Quran. He taught me Quran. Do you understand the difference? Right. He taught me Quran. You, you know, there's a difference between being your hift teacher. But he taught me Qur'an. He taught me. He wasn't just my Qur'an, my hifth teacher. He taught me Qur'an. You know, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the example of, of, uh, of the Prophet ﷺ, You know, the Prophet is using the word and teaching it to others. And certainly it's not about just hifth. Iqra, khata. Raja, come back. No, that was the least of what we did. But he taught me Quran. He sat me down. He taught me the importance of the Quran. He taught me how to manifest the Quran in my life. And it is those teachings that will always remain and are resonate, you know, will always resonate with me and are ingrained in my mind and in my soul, right? So, you know, it's one thing to learn fiqh, halal, haram, mubah, makruh, mustahab. You know, okay, that comes and that goes. But the lessons of the Qur'an, the reality of the Qur'an, the uh, ability to apply the Qur'an and having somebody there to guide you in doing so, yani, there's nothing more than that you can ask for, alhamdulillah. And for that reason, uh, you know, that by far was my favorite class. And I spent the majority of my time with that, uh, with that individual and, 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 and truly he molded me. He, he, he truly did mold me into, uh, what I am today and, and, and what I will become inshallah in the future. And when you say he taught you Quran, is that mainly through like, uh, when you were reciting to him, he was explaining certain verses or was it the time you spent with him? You saw, uh, his khuluq, his uh, manners and the way he carried himself, uh, applying the Quran in that. Or what about all of it in general? All, all of the above, brother. All That's of the right. above. All of the, he would speak using verses of the Quran. I'll give you an example. Ya Sheikh, samihni. Wallahi, kuntahban al-yawm. Sheikh, I'm sorry, I was tired today. Ken andi ikhtibar, I had an exam. He says, Bal al-insanu ala nafsihi basira. Until this day, like, yeah, I am a witness over myself that if I wanted to memorize and finish my work with you, I would have done it. But I'm throwing these excuses to you. And I know that you know that I know that they're not acceptable. <laughs> right? So it's that. You understand what I'm saying? He yeah. spoke the Quran. Really, he spoke the Quran. Alhamdulillah. Would you say um, in terms of uh, Islamic knowledge, did you benefit more from the classes at the university or the haram? So uh, like in terms of aqidah, fiqh, all the other subjects? Yeah, so again, my specialization in, uh, in, uh, in, in the university was aqidah. And I was able to, alhamdulillah, establish a very strong foundation in my aqidah because that was something that I invested a lot of my time uh, inside the university and trying to achieve. Um, outside of the university, I focused more so on fiqh because that wasn't something that was presented to me as much within the faculty. So alhamdulillah, I was able to balance both, uh, but certainly I was studying more fiqh outside. And when it comes to the usul of the deen, that is uh, in the universities where I, I mainly focused on that, alhamdulillah. 
And learning Aqidah, did you find the sorts of subjects you were learning prepared you later on for the questions you would get in a Western environment? Or did you find you needed to put in, like after you came back, you needed to put in more work and effort to research these various subjects? Well, work and effort is always required. That's the first thing. You know, as our teachers would say, uh, that seeking knowledge begins after you graduate. Don't think you're done seeking knowledge because you've graduated, but the seeking of knowledge actually begins after you graduate. Um, and the reason is because you have, you have gained the tools in order to learn on your own now and to learn with other, you know, individuals, certainly, but you have enough ability uh, to learn on your own now. And that's why you need to exert yourself. Uh, but when it comes to Aqidah and the issues that uh, we see in the West, certainly, you know, as time goes on and things change, uh, new issues arise that need to be discussed. Um, and, you know, uh, Islam and our teachings and our revelation and our traditions must be, you know, looked at in terms of understanding how to deal with these new issues that are, you know, upon us. But um, I think I'm, I'm always learning. I'm always learning more. There are new issues that are always arising, uh, uh, whether it be, you know, on a micro level or even on a macro level. Um, you know, so staying in touch with uh, with our teachers is very important. And, you know, sometimes if I'm not able to really wrap my head around an issue or find a solution that I'm comfortable with, I'll always go back and, and reach out to some of my teachers and inquire with them and get their advice. Alhamdulillah. And then in terms of learning Aqidah in the classroom environment, so reading the books, learning the different definitions, classifications, how do you go from that? So like uh, I'm asking for advice for upcoming students of knowledge. How do you go from learning those classifications and the academic side of things or the technical side of things to applying it in your life? So when you learn about the attributes of Allah, worshiping Allah via those attributes. So when you learn about... um some issue to do with um, the Prophet ﷺ, your love for him increases. So how do you transform it from being something intellectual to something practical you can apply in your daily life? Yeah, so there's two things here. Um, there's knowledge and there's understanding, right? Knowledge is one thing, understanding is another. I truly believe a person will not be able to apply what they know unless they understand. The Prophet ﷺ, he says, مَن يُرِيدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ if Allah wants good for a person, he gives them an understanding of the deen. He didn't say, يُعَلِّمُهُ الدِّينِ He teaches him. He gives them an understanding. الْفَهْمُ amiq. It's a deep understanding. It's not just a, you know, a, you know a first layer understanding. It's a deep understanding. And only when you have that deep understanding are you able to manifest what you have learned. Right? So what's the first step in that? Is dua. Is dua. That you need to ask Allah to allow you to benefit from the knowledge that you have learned. Sometimes we think that knowledge is enough, but it isn't. It really isn't. You know, You know, you can be knowledgeable, but you're no better than a donkey that carries books. You're not doing it. You're not acting. Why? Because you didn't see the tawfiq from Allah Azza wa Jal. You didn't seek the help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Acquiring knowledge is the easy part. The fruits of that knowledge is the amal. And if we want to get to the level of amal, we have to seek assistance from Allah Azza wa Jal. So certainly dua, dua is very, very, very important. And, and number two, ikhlas. It's ikhlas, ya khi. Right? إِنَّمَا لَعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ That actions are by intention. And every person will be rewarded according to their intention. Therefore, if your intention is to just learn and be an encyclopedia and to carry the title of, oh, I'm a sheikh or I'm an imam or I graduated from here or I graduated from here, then that's what you'll gain because that's what your intention was. But if your intention is saying, Ya Allah, give me an understanding of this religion and allow me to apply what you have allowed me to learn. If that is your intention, then you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow, inshallah ta'ala. So anything um, you wanted to add regarding your time in Malaysia, Medina, any, any things, any points of benefit yeah. you'd like to mention? 
if, if, if you seek a path of knowledge, you're going to be tested. You will be tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And looking back at what I went through, I praise and I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for getting me through it all. But you will be tested. You, we, we, yani, there were days and nights where you would break down. And I think everybody who's been on this journey of knowledge, you know, you know, outside of their comfort zone, away from everyone, just you and Allah. I think anyone who's experienced that journey um, can attest to the fact that being tested by Allah is what truly gives you the understanding and the ability to connect with it. Because at the end of the day, what's the point of knowledge? The point of the ilm is to come closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. Right? But knowledge is not just taught in a classroom. It's not just taught in the masjid. It's not just taught sitting one-on-one -on -one with your teacher. But it's taught through the different experiences that you go through throughout your life. So if you're going through something every single day, know that it is Allah Azza wa Jal who is grooming you, who is teaching you. Allah is personally teaching you. And it is for us to be a student, accept it, be patient, and learn from it, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. While on the subject of tests and tribulations while traveling, what examples do you think would, like, like bringing them up now would benefit the most. Okay, um, well, you can be tested in different ways. Fear. What fear? What type of fear? There's so many different types of fear. You know, a fear and how am I going to support my family when I graduate? You don't think about that in your first year, but once you reach your sixth year, you're starting to think about that, right? Uh, uh, fear of. Uh, uh, my family, my mother, my father are the most precious, precious things to me in my life, right? What, what, what if something happens and I'm halfway across the world? You understand? There's a constant fear, right? A fear and oh, I'm in this environment. I don't know language. I can be easily taken advantage of. There's a fear, right? A fear and what if I don't make it? What if everybody back home is right and I'm not going to be able to, you know, see this through? Wajur, hunger, <laughs> hunger. <laughs> Sometimes you're tested in hunger, right? Because the food just doesn't, you know, taste too good on your palate, right? You gotta deal with that, right? Right? Wanaqsin min al amwali, right? You might lose money. You're not making money when you're out. You look at all your friends who are graduating, they're getting jobs, and you're still sitting there saying, well, I'm still, you know, here. You know, I, I, I got my bank account's not moving up. But, you know, at least inshallah my iman is, my knowledge is, right? Um, but health, health as well. Health is a big one. You'll be tested in your health, right? And that can be physical health and mental health. Mental health. Yes, mental health. So those are just some of the things that uh, a person is tested with. Right. Uh, I see. Well, on the subject of traveling and all that, did you have any like regrets when you set off the first time round? Yeah, like, I just I, I regret that I didn't go sooner. Ah, uh, yeah. You see. Yeah, I regret I didn't go sooner. I, I regret that nobody taught me that after I graduate from high school, this is an opportunity. Mm. Right. Were there any like other regrets like during like during this journey of you like learning more about the iman and all that or yeah you'll always regret you'll always look it's like the dunya bro like in the akhirah when you are resurrected and you stand in front of Allah everybody's gonna have regret even the one who was always in the masjid because he'll always say to himself I could have done more right true that's true <laughs> right I wish yeah. I prayed more in the prophet's masjid. You know what I mean? Like I could yeah. have done more. Why did I pray next door in, in, in the, in the, in the masjid next door to my house? Why couldn't I just got in the car, drove five minutes, 10 minutes and prayed in the masjid? It was just a, 
you'll always say, I could have done more. And that regret, it actually begins like towards your last year in the university. It's like, man. And that's why my wife would say, man, the best year was the last year. Why? Because we just went all out, right? <laughs> We're like, let's leave nothing on the table. Let's just do it. And that's what we did, alhamdulillah. Mm. So during your time, like studying abroad, did you ever have like the chance to like visit back home or anything like that to like just yeah. Yeah, see yeah. your parents, family and all that? Yeah, you know what? Coming back home was very important. Uh, coming back home was very important, mainly for two reasons. Number one is family. Mom and dad, like I said, like the most important thing to me, mom and dad, especially at that time. You know, now, alhamdulillah, I'm a father. You know, alhamdulillah, my children, my family is the most important thing to me. But seeing mom and dad, brothers and sisters was crucial, was crucial. Um, and I needed that. I needed that to rejuvenate and, and you know, kind of just be back with the family. Uh, number two is uh, it gave me a platform. It was almost like my practicum. I hope this makes sense for you guys. Um, Y'all are university students. Practicum is important, right? There's a difference between knowing something and being able to uh, uh, impart that uh, information. And uh, coming back in the summers gave me that opportunity. And, you know, I've been teaching kids since, since for at least the past 16 years, you know, and that's every summer, every summer I'd come back and, and, you know, this is why, you know, uh, you know, I'm near and dear with, with, with the Islamic Information Society of Calgary, because they seen this young guy, they seen this young guy who made a decision to go out and learn instead of, you know, kicking him to the curb as other places might have done, let's take him in, groom him, give him what he needs, give him the opportunity to learn and teach. And then once he graduates, allow him to be a contributing member of our community. And, and you know, that's exactly what it did. Uh, you know, getting up on the mimbar, you know, uh, if I didn't have that and I got up on the mimbar for the first time after I graduated, people wouldn't have been happy. Like, who's this guy, right? He just graduated. Why is this khutbah like this? But because I had years and years and years of training, alhamdulillah, you know, once I graduated, I was already, it was already second nature. So alhamdulillah. Oh, alhamdulillah. 